Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are glad to be with you today because that means that the Tennessee Titans are still playing football games in near mid-January. Because on Saturday, the Titans will take on the New England Patriots in Foxborough on CBS in primetime. Jim Nance and Tony Romo will have the call. And this is our preview episode for that game, and we pride ourselves on not just saying words with no meaning in preview episodes. We're not going to sit here and just tell you that Tom Brady is good and the Titans are an average team and that's it. We're actually going to talk some football. But before we actually get into the X's and O's, let's talk a little bit about the injury report, which is a pretty good one for the Tennessee Titans, aside from starting running back DeMarco Murray, who will miss his third straight game with an undisclosed knee injury. Uh, the Titans are fully healthy. Yeah, that's great news. Yeah, so it's really good that uh, the Titans don't have a lot of injuries right now. Um, as ineffective as DeMarco was for most of the season, uh, we could still use his pass protection and uh, pass catching ability. So hopefully, if we do keep going forward in the playoffs, we could have him for the AFC Championship game. Uh, but it'll be the Der- Derrick Henry show uh, for now. Uh, and I think it's really important to be healthy this time of year. Um, a lot of people have said it before. I'm not. I'm not sure of the the actual phrase, but uh, the teams that hit their stride and the teams that are the most healthy 
at this point in the season in the playoffs, uh, they're the ones that that make these runs. So hopefully that phrase holds true, um, especially considering the Patriots ha- have a cu- have a bunch of injuries. So uh, we we're definitely the healthier team going in this game, which is which is good because in the past that that really was was never the case. Yeah, I mean the Titans have or the Patriots have guys like Donta Hightower and Julian Edelman and Shea McClellan and Derek Rivers all on injured reserve. They have 16 guys total. The Titans only have set, or six guys total. And the biggest name on that list is probably Daquan Jones, who was playing really well, but who the Titans did a good job drafting depth behind and signing some free agents. So, yeah, they're very healthy. I mean, you could argue that maybe having a guy like Tajay Sharp might help just as more of a possession receiver so you don't lean on Decker so much in that regard. Or maybe Aaron Wallace, who I'm a big fan of, who could give you some speed in the pass rush. But, I mean, the Titans aren't really that banged up. And after playing 17 games, that's really rare. So, I mean, it's another year where the Titans are really healthy and where Watterson needs to get some respect because – Early in the season, when Corey Davis was injured and had a hamstring, and then Mariota had that in, had that hamstring injury, there was a lot of people saying that there was something wrong with the style of his te- style of his training and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, to only have six guys on injured reserve at this point in the year is uh, doing a great job. And most importantly, uh, Marcus Mariota is not on injured reserve. Not something that we haven't been able to say uh, oh, in the last two seasons. So. Uh, that is awesome. So last week in uh, Tyreek Hill and Rob Gronkowski, or excuse me, and Travis Kelsey, the Titans faced <laughs> a uh, an elite speed receiver and an elite tight end. And this week they're doing the same, although they are different players. They are a bit similar in that Brandon Cooks is a speed guy and Rob Gronkowski is one of those elite tight ends I was talking to some friends last night and we were talking about how you know in the NFL you have your Delaney Walker Greg Olson Travis Kelsey and then way up ahead of those guys you have Rob Gronkowski so but before we get into talking about Gronkowski let's talk a little bit about Brandon Cooks who is someone that the Patriots traded a first round pick for which hardly ever happens and New Orleans used that first round pick to take tackle Ryan Ramchek so Brandon Cooks he had just over a thousand receiving yards in his first season with the Patriots, and it seemed to work out. He seemed to be an effective deep threat throughout the season. Um, so, how does the addition of Brandon Cooks help this offense uh, and help them kind of mask the loss of Julian Edelman, who for years has been, you know, kind of the catalyst of their entire offense? Yeah, he really is similar to, to Tyreek Hill just because of his pure speed. Uh, and he really opens things up in the middle of the field uh, because of that speed and because he demands so much attention on the outside. Um, he hasn't qu- had quite the impact that I think a lot of people were expecting in his first season, uh, especially once Julian Edelman went down. People were expecting Cooks to... Uh, to get a lot of those, a lot of those targets, and he really had. I'm not going to say it, it was a ho hum season. Um, it was just as good of a season as it is Saints seasons, but he hasn't really had the impact that a lot were expecting with, with Brady as his quarterback. Uh, and he went quiet in a lot of games. Um, he had a stretch uh, at, when they played the Bills and the Dolphins back to back weeks. He really, really didn't do anything. Only caught three passes for, uh, I think, a little bit over 50 yards. 
uh, Tredavious White, um, who I'm in love with as a cornerback, and um, and uh, who's he, uh, Xavier Howard from the Dolphins. They just completely shut him down, uh, and they weren't letting him get open at all, e- even deep down the field or even on on these short routes. So that was intriguing to see. Um, he came back to life uh, in in week 17 against the Jets, but the Jets kind of mailed it in at that point. So I'm not sure what to expect out of him, and to be honest, uh, I'm not too concerned. I think Adoree Jackson can, can can handle him just fine. I think he uh, can especially too, if, because, um, uh, if cornerbacks like Xavier Howard and Tre'Davious White uh, can do so as well. Uh, Gronk, it, it, just, especially uh, real quick, if Tre'Davious White mm-hmm. was able to shut down Brandon Cooks, then surely the better cornerback from this past year's draft yes. class will be able to. Right. Absolutely. Yes, of course. Yeah, no arguments for me, uh, especially since Adori kind of matches pro, up pro better football with Focus those. would argue with you or with that. Yeah, of course they would. They'd argue about a it's lot. It's fine. They're both good. They're both good. I'm okay with it. But uh, I do think Adori matches up better than Cooks because uh, they're, they're similar height, similar build, uh, and they're both speedy receivers. So um, should should be fine there. Gronk is obviously the 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 more uh, dangerous guy, but uh, we'll talk about him soon. Yeah, I mean, th- there's there's every chance in the world that Gronk and Cooks could come up and they could average, you know, 200 yards between the two of them, or and not average, total 200 yards between the two of them, and just blow the Titans out of the water because they've had a week to look at how Kelsey dominated the Titans linebackers and how Hill worked in the slot real well when LeBeau was convinced that he should move a Dory in there. But at the same time, I- I'm not sure that, I wouldn't rather face Gronk and Cooks than Hill and Kelsey. I mean, we talked about it some before the podcast. Hill, I mean, you could line Hill up at running back, slot, outside receiver, return man. I mean, he just scares you all the time anytime he touches the ball. And Kelsey is more of a wide receiver than Gronk, which sounds crazy for somebody who's, uh, you know, broken every record there is for tight ends and who, you know, will be the best of all time by the time he's done. But – I mean, Kelsey just does things smoother than Gronk, it, though he's not as hard to bring down. But, uh, I mean, it's just a tougher matchup for our linebackers. We generally tackle well when we get around people, which is why, you know, if you've got a quote-unquote slower tight end like Gronkowski, I feel more comfortable stopping the yards after catch. It's just stopping him from catching the ball. So I, I don't know. I, I'm less scared than I was last week, but with Belichick and McDaniels pulling the strings, like I said, there's every chance in the world that they could have 200 yards and beat us. Quickly, would you guys uh, just let a Dory Jackson man up on Brandon Cooks? Because I, I personally would agree with you, Will, in that covering Cooks is a much easier task than trying to cover Tyreek Hill, although I do love Brandon Cooks and like him a lot. Uh, yeah, I would. I'd feel pretty comfortable about it. Uh, I mean, like Luke, Luke uh, told us before um, before the podcast that Adore Jackson still hasn't given up a completion on a go route, uh, and he's already faced Tyree Kill, who's like the fastest player in the league. So I'd feel okay with him on Cooks. Although Cooks, I mean, obviously he's really he's really quick, um, but so is Adore, and Adore hasn't been giving up deep completions the entire season. So I'd feel good about it. Yeah, the only way I wouldn't is if they moved Cooks in the slot, which I expect Belichick to do. You know, he Belichick and McDaniels have find where your weak points are. And LeBeau's weak point is he thinks that 
you know, he can out scheme you. And for the large part, he's correct after the second half once he sees what you're going to do. But if all he sees of Cooks is if Cooks playing boundary boundary wide receiver over and over and over, and he says, "Okay, Dory, you're going to follow him even if he goes in the slot because he's not expecting him to go in the slot." The first thing Belichick's going to do is put him in the slot and kill a door with a two-way go, knowing that mm-hmm. Tom Brady's not going to read it incorrectly. So uh, it's tough, but you know my rules would be if Cooks is outside, Adoree's following him. If Cooks goes to the slot, uh, Logan Ryan comes and you get safety help over the top, and Adoree, you know, if there's another boundary wide receiver, covers that guy. It's all about the rules and the communication this week, which the Titans have struggled with the past couple weeks early on. So, I, in in short, anytime he's on the boundary, yeah, line him up on Cooks. I think he can take him. It's just when they start getting creative, your defensive coordinator has to get creative too. So, uh, Gronkowski, Will, you kind of made the point that Tyree, excuse me, Travis Kelsey is a much smoother player than Gronkowski is. But Gronkowski is also a future Hall of Famer who he, he might have lost a step slightly, but he is still playing really good football. So the Titans were miserable against Kelsey in the first half last week. So what do you do differently if you're Dick LeBeau this time? Because uh, it was supposedly the plan to let Jayon Brown have him some with Kevin Byard mixing in. And that really never seemed to happen. And Hill, or excuse me, Kelsey just kind of ran wild the whole game. So, what do you do differently this week? And uh, do do you think it will work? Whatever it is that they do differently. I'm gonna be totally honest. I have no idea what you do because <laughs> Rob Gronkowski <laughs> is just is a freak of nature. Um, and even even though he has lost a bit of a step, I guess. He still caught 69 passes for 1,000 yards and 8 touchdowns this year. Um, And he just dominated in in specific games. Um, So I don't know how you cover him. Even when you think you have him completely covered, um, he's so big uh, and his catch radius is is so large that he could just get to any any pass. Uh, He did it a bunch of times this season where it it seemed like a low throw from Brady and Gronkowski just dives and scoops it up off the ground. So... What one I would do, I don't know, because we don't really have uh, like a, a, a big type of safety, like a 6'2 kind of guy that could really um, contest um, his catch radius. Um, but I, I think I would put Byard on him um, because I just don't trust any of our linebackers. And even Jayon Brown, as good as he's been at covering um, um, covering tight ends and covering running backs, uh, this is just a completely different animal. Um, and, and man, Gronk has like six inches on, on Jayon Brown and so many more pounds. Uh, I would just feel a lot more comfortable putting, uh, one of our best, uh, coverage players in general in Kevin Byard, uh, and just sticking him on Gronkowski and you're not going to completely take him, take him away, but at least limit, limit his effectiveness, uh, and let the other players beat you. Yeah. So Byard was interviewed a couple of times this week, and uh, one time they asked him, how do you go about covering a guy like Gronkowski? And the first thing he said was that the best job he saw was Kansas City do it with Eric Berry in the first week of the season. Mm-hmm. And, that yeah. I mean, that's correct. You know, they roughed him up. They said, you know, if he's going to get a catch, it's going to be contested because you've got to be physical the whole route and make them called pass interference on the guy who's five inches shorter. 
Uh, you know, you've got to play feisty with him, knowing that he shouldn't get those calls because he's built like an offensive lineman. So I think that's a big part of it. I think you've got to let your best player, best cover man cover him, you know, in that Kevin Byard is the best matchup. And you're not going to win every route like that. It, it's, it's just not going to work. Nobody takes away great players. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if the Titans keep, do, keep going down the road, you know, they don't have somebody to race Antonio Brown. and They don't have somebody to, you know, erase any of the NFC, you know, guys like Julio and all them. You can't try to take away a guy completely. But what you've got to do is you've got to have the courage to leave Byard on him one-on-one sometimes and to blitz Brady. You've got to find a way to get other quarterbacks uncomfortable so that you're not relying on one person on your defense to take away the other team's best player, and you're just letting everything else kind of be vanilla. So you've got to have creative blitzes, that overload blitz we saw, uh, that that drop coverage blitz we saw on uh, against Kansas City. You know, those will work. You've just got to you know try to find a way to make Brady uncomfortable and that's the only way you're really going to stop Gronkowski. You know, other than that, they're, they're just going to find each other. Yeah, I'm assuming the answer is probably uh, in the in the Patriots-Jets tape from Week 17 because Gronkowski didn't even have a target and didn't even have a catch, and he played, I'm pretty sure, the whole game. So mm-hmm. I don't know what happened in that game. The Jets must have, must have just uh, completely sold out to cover him. I know what happened. Uh, what happened? So Gronkowski had a bonus in his contract if he uh, caught a certain number of passes, and I think I think the number was seven, and he was at sixty nine, and they made him play the whole game and did not throw the ball his way. I mean that's that's not a joke. That's a hundred percent what happened. That's you know wow. sorry allegedly air quotes allegedly. So you know, don't come at me saying I'm slandering him, but that's a hundred percent what they did. All right, so we just have to. To come up with a clause in his contract, yeah, we've so got that to, if he catches a playoff pass, he gets we've got like to get a, his agent on the phone today. Yeah, no, but um, I I think you can't you got to frustrate him, even if it takes um getting a couple penalties called on yourself. Um, what happened in that in that Buffalo game a couple weeks ago where um he just torpedoed into Tre'Davious White's uh, head, uh, and he got ejected. Um, they were just, they kept pulling on him. They couldn't cover him. So they just kept getting, getting calls against them. Um, and he just, at one point he just completely lost it, um, because they didn't, they didn't, uh, call a penalty on the defense and they ended up intercepting the pass. Um, so if we could frustrate him, he, he, I mean, we all know he's a bit of a hothead. So, I mean, it's not very, um, football, football based, but just, just piss him off a little bit. Uh, uh, get, get a couple holding calls against him, uh, and, and he'll start, uh, pouting and, and get a little frustrated out there. You know, you saw it, you see it in basketball all the time where the team that doesn't have Michael Jordan historically, you know, those old piston teams, all that kind of stuff. If you can't beat a team regularly, you've got to get in their head and you've got to play more physical than them. You know, everybody preaches effort, effort, effort. That's great. But if you can get in a guy's head, you don't have to work that hard. You can just be a little bit cheap here and there. So if mm-hmm. they're smart, if the Titans are smart and they give Gronkowski the business and kind of get around Brady and getting, you know, not hitting him late or anything, but just kind of stepping where he's stepping after the play's over and making him, you know, just upset and angry and all that kind of stuff. If they can like that almost that, like that, what denver did in the 2015 afc championship yeah yeah, yeah. Get, you know if you can give them the business and really like 
you know, make him think, God, I want to beat this team. God, I want to beat this team. And then make him do things that aren't in his nature instead of being slow and methodical and surgical. If you can make him try to make stupid plays just because he wants to get back at you, or if you can make him flush, mm-hmm. not think straight, then now you can finally do something. But, you know, we've talked about it a lot. If the Titans rush three and think that their players can beat the the Patriots players on paper, mm-hmm make sense but with that coaching staff and that quarterback it won't work yeah no that is a a big no for me on a three-man rush at any point in this game you can say this though about the patriots this isn't anywhere near being their best offensive line that they've ever had outside of left tackle solder and right guard mason this is not a very good offensive line because they're having to play cameron fleming at right tackle with the loss of marcus cannon I can't remember the name of their left guard, but he apparently has not had a very good season. So this is a vulnerable offensive line, unlike the Chiefs last week. But um, the the problem is that they get the ball out so fast that your edge rushers don't have an opportunity to get home. So with that being said, I really think this is a big day for Jarrell Casey. Yeah, New England's uh, middle of the pack in terms of of sacks given up. Um, they gave up as many sacks as the Titans this season, which was 18th um, eighteenth in the NFL at, at 35. So Brady can be gotten to. Uh, their offensive line isn't as good as it was in past years. Um, so I do think uh, our, our defensive line could have a pretty good game, as, as well as uh, Rackpo and Derek Morgan. Um, that being said, I really don't want us to play a lot of zone. Um, because if we if we play off coverages and play these zone coverages, Tom Brady's just gonna pick us apart. We need to we need to play up on the on these guys uh, and play main coverage and, and try to jam them at the line. Uh, pretty much all their players, um, I, I think that's the best way to attack them. Um, and the Titans have really gotten a lot of pressure on quarterbacks over the, over the latter half of the season, um, and we're gonna need it again because if we don't get pressure on Brady. He is just going to pick us apart all game, and, and we're not going to have a chance in this one. Yeah, uh, Jarrell Casey and uh, Wesley Woodyard both could have big games, especially with how uh, I think Wesley Woodyard is the one of two linebackers in the NFL that have 50 or more tackles and five or more sacks. So if, if Woodyard can uh, come downhill and be a factor in the pass rush in the interior – you know, they've got to do something to get Casey one-on-one with the guard. And I know it's enticing to say, okay, we're going to stun him across the center's face. That that just doesn't work often enough. Um, he, he needs to work one-on-one with half the body of the guard, and then you need to put somebody inside on a blitz to make sure that they can't slide protect and take that away. So, you know, some four-man looks would be really good. We run that a lot. Um just something to make sure Jarrell Casey has his chances. And if halftime, if he's not capitalizing, you've got to go with something else. But I expect him to do some damage knowing how big this game is. So, you know, you never want to overlook the Patriots because they they have Tom Brady and they have the really good coaching staff with Belichick, McDaniels, and uh, shoot, I forgot, Matt Patricia, a defensive coordinator. But this isn't anywhere near being one of the most talented teams that they've put out which is so odd because at the beginning of the season, a lot of people were saying that this is a team that could have run the table and won the Super Bowl without losing any games. But if you think about 
the two Super Bowl wins ago for the Patriots, or I guess one ago against the Seattle Seahawks in the one-yard line Marshawn Lynch game, their cornerbacks were Darrell Revis and Brandon Browner. Their inside linebackers were Dante Hightower and Jamie Collins. They had a much younger Devin McCourty. They had much better pass rushers, including Rob Ninkovich, who's no longer in the league. Uh, their offensive line was better. They had better talent at running back. And they arguably had better talent at wide receiver with Julian Edelman in there, along with a younger Amendola. So, you know, again, you never want to overlook the Patriots. But unlike the invincible teams of those seasons and and the teams where Randy Moss was torching everybody and, and even some of the teams we've seen in the last couple of years, aside from the man under center and the guy wearing number 87, this is not that talented a football team. I didn't say they weren't good. I said they're not very talented. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree that this roster isn't as talented as as the previous versions. Um, and they really don't have a lot of game wreckers on defense that could really change, change games. Uh, but despite all of that, their defense has played really well. They've since week four, they've only given up over twenty points uh, twice, and that was the Steelers and the Dolphins. Um, the Steelers game, they should have lost on that Jesse James uh, overturned catch, touchdown catch, uh, and then to the Dolphins, they did lose. So, um, but I, I don't know how they're doing this on defense. They are the epitome of uh, of bend <laughs> bend but don't break, and, and they're kind of the team that uh, that coined that. Um, they're, they're bottom five in, in yards per game given up. Um, I I'm pretty sure in also passing yards and in rushing yards, uh, per game given up. Um, but in terms of points per game, uh, they're the fifth best team, um, in terms of giving up points, they give up only 18 points a game. So I think that's a credit to their defensive coordinator, uh, and a credit to their, to their red zone defense. That's been really good. Um, so It'll be interesting to see how, how the Titans do fare uh, when they do get into the red zone because they're going to be able to move the ball in this defense, that's for sure, especially if Derrick Henry and the O-line play like they did last week. Uh, they're going to be able to move the ball. Uh, and as we all know, Marcus Mariota is one of the best red zone quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. He still hasn't thrown an interception uh, in the red zone, and he's thrown 40 touchdowns there. So I'm really intrigued um, by this red zone offense-defense matchup that we're going to be, that we're going to be seeing on, on Saturday night weird because Brady kind of started his career with the Patriots when they had a bunch of no-name guys they were described as kind of a lunch pail team it's really weird for them finally to be back to this point because we saw them go through guys like Randy Moss and Wes Welker and you know not not to bring up his name or anything but Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski these guys who were you know, the best at their position. And now they still have Gronk, but outside of Gronk, like we talked about, they really don't have that guy where you're like, you know, if you pair Brady with him, they're going to win some games. It's meat it's just and potatoes. Kind of, it's meat and potatoes. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, just kind of like, these are the guys we got, and, you know, because of our coaches and our uh, quarterback, we'll win games. And that's just kind of how it's going. I mean, they don't have a running back one. They don't, you know... Nate Solder is going through a lot of stuff in his personal life, and you know my prayers are with him. He's got a bunch of struggles, and uh, that that sucks. But his on the field product is just not very good, and you know, and that's hard. And he'll get a bunch of money in free agency because tackles do nowadays. But he's not somebody I'm super concerned with. It, you know, 
Chris Hogan is good on some deep balls, but he's not outstanding, and he's just now coming back, and maybe he'll be healthy. Uh, on defense, they've got no pass rusher, and they really haven't since they let Chan- they traded Chandler Jones away. And since then, Chandler Jones leads the NFL in sacks over that time, so that wasn't a great move. Uh, at linebacker, they've gone from having you know high tower like we talked about, who is a stud and a leader, and he does a lot of stuff for him, to having guys like Kyle Van Noy, who you know, Detroit didn't want that, you know, and they don't, I mean, they just drafted two linebackers this past year. That's how bad it was there at corner. Malcolm Butler is quietly, you know, I guess having a bad year and Gil terrible caught on, but you know, who in that group really scares you, you know, McCourty's kind of faded out a little bit and he still has bursts here and there, but it's just, it's not the team you think they are. The names on the back of the jerseys don't mean the same that they did two or three years ago because their good pay- players are past their prime a little bit and their other guys aren't the up-and-comers that we're used to seeing. So it, it's it's tough because, like I said, they could come out and beat us 49-0. to They're the Patriots and they've done that before. But at the same time, I can see a path to victory for the first time against the Patriots in eight years. So... You know, it's it's not the same team you necessarily think that you think they are if you haven't watched them play this year. And you yeah. know, two two years ago when the Titans and the Patriots played in Mariota's rookie season, Taylor Lewan had one of the worst games of his career, consistently getting bull rushed by Chandler Jones. We went into it knowing it was going to be a blowout. I don't think anyone even doubted that. But this game, I'm sitting here, and at the end of this episode, we're going to make picks for the Wild Card Weekend. And I'm sitting here thinking I'm probably going to pick the Titans because after previewing this Patriots team, I just don't think they're all that good. I mean, they they win games because of their coaching and, and they play good football. But this isn't like the Chiefs last year where there's this massive, you know, talent gap between the two teams. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, w- would you rather have uh, Wesley Woodyard or Kyle Van Noy? Would you rather have Brian Arakpo or whoever their edge rushers are right now? Would you rather have a Dory Jackson or Malcolm Butler? Would you rather have Kevin Byard or Devin McCourty? I mean, there are a lot of those situations when you look at a compare, mm-hmm. comparing these two teams. That's fair, but uh, I'd rather have their coach and their coordinators than than our yeah. Than their, that's, than our that's, that's the one place where it really gets kind of gummed up. Yeah, and unfortunately, um, the talent can only take you so far, and the coaching at some point has to um, has to equal that talent, and we haven't seen that with our team. Uh, and unfortunately, their team, their coaching does trans- transcend its talent, uh, and they also have arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. So Did- it's tough, but I think you guys have, have sold me on on us being able to <laughs> being able to win this game in Foxborough, which would be absolutely amazing and you know Um, something else we haven't really heard this week and i just kind of thought of this uh lebeau has only played new england once with the titans i wonder what his record looks like against them with pittsburgh yeah also uh, that's a good point but also about the titans playing the patriots mariota got injured um, in that game, so he's never really, truly, truly played them a full game. So oh, he, that, uh, that, that was a horrific to play too. Taylor Wan got yeah. smoked, and Mariota mm-hmm. lost a sack fumble. Yeah, back when uh, Mariota used to get injured all the time. 
Not anymore, baby. Yeah, the, he, he's a, he's fragile. Everyone wanted to call him a bust after he got injured and missed one game. Give me a break. I, I wonder if people have been looking at the quarterbacks that got injured this season. Everyone, every, every single quarterback got injured, and a bunch of them for the whole season. Dude, you want to talk about a fragile quarterback? Sam Bradford is a fragile quarterback. Tony Romo was a fragile quarterback. Even Ben Roethlisberger, for spurts of his career, has been a pretty fragile quarterback. Deshaun Watson. Well, that's kind Deshaun of a freak Deshaun injury. Watson. <laughs> Guys, I found a, a an X factor for the for the Patriots. Uh, he's on their practice squad. Oh no. Um. And John Gruden uh, would call him out uh, in the Titans-Chiefs game pretty often. Is His Kenny name Britt? is Will Ty. No, it's Will oh. Ty. Yes. So he's a tight end. And John Gruden kept calling our cornerback, Ty Smith, Will Ty. So um, watch out for him. Uh, he's one of John Gruden's guys. Wasn't he yeah, that apparently. tight end that wore a number in the 40s for the New York Giants and was really slow? Yep. Yeah, yep. That's that was it. him. Who also played some corner, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Uh, so um, let's kind of transition into keys to the vic- to keys to the victory. I guess keys to winning the game for the Titans. Uh, but before we like talk about you know if the Titans do this, they'll have a better chance at winning. What's your approach on offense if you're Mike Malarkey and Terry Robisky? Because last week the Titans were really able to run the ball down the throat of the Kansas City Chiefs. Delaney Walker was his usual dominant self. He had over 70 yards receiving, which for a tight end is pretty equal to 100 yards receiving for a receiver. So how would you attack the uh, the, 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 the Patriots this week, knowing that they're probably going to do whatever they can to take Delaney Walker away, and they're probably going to load the box considering how successful Derrick Henry was last week? Yeah, um, I would run the ball again. Uh, we need those very long drives that we saw in the second half against the Chiefs um, because we kept uh, the Chiefs offense on the sideline, and when they came back out, they were completely out of sync, uh, and our offense was just hitting its stride. Mariota was confident. He was hitting all his throws, and Derrick Henry was was ripping off chunk gains every time he got the ball. So and, and that's I, w- I will say this real quick, that uh, in an interview this week, uh, NFL Films' Greg Cosell said that the Titans' offensive line performance in that game was perhaps the best offensive mm-hmm. line performance of any team he had seen all season. And that was against Tom Bahali, uh, Frank Zombo, uh, Justin Just, Houston, Justin I mean, Houston, guys like that. Yeah. Whereas you look at this New England Patriots defensive line, and I mean, if the Titans can kind of repeat that performance against a less talented unit, I mean, look out for the mm-hmm. Titans this week. Yeah, and I don't know if you want to pay too much attention to uh, to an analytic, but Football Outsiders uh, has their DVOA metric, mm-hmm. um, and the pa- the Patriots rank thirtieth in DVOA against the run. So there is nothing imposing about their run defense, uh, and it shows up in, in pretty much any stat you look at. So this is a game where the where the Titans offensive line can control the, can control the game, uh, control the tempo, and Derrick Henry could definitely ha- have another big game, which would be huge to keeping uh, Tom Brady off the field, which is exactly what we need. The key is to run the ball, and I, I think we all know that, and we've talked about how when Derrick Henry runs angry instead of running like an oversized Chris Johnson, he's one of the best backs, you know, that we've seen recently in blue and maybe, you know, one of the best young backs in football. He, I mean, Mm -hmm. he just looked like a different person last week. And that's, 
the guy we all saw at Alabama, and that's the guy we saw versus Miami last year and in you know Jacksonville this year and at different times throughout the year. So uh, that guy can win you a bunch of games. The thing is, is you can't do the same type formations on offense and expect to get better results. We talked about it before the podcast. What I want to see is I want to see a lot of three wide receiver looks, and I want the Patriots to have to go outside of the numbers to start covering our wide receivers. That way it's an open box. You can play Mario in the shotgun and run the read option. You can play him under center and give hard play fakes and run play action, or you can just hand it from there. You can let him go hurry up in that three wide receiver set and call. You can call a bunch in tight formations in that personnel if you want to, but start out wide and let Mariota make the call from there. A lot of this, mm-hmm. this weekend, is how much control do they give Mariota? Do they let him call plays like he did in the second half and when the Titans looked like they did at their peak last year? Or are we going to be like the first half where it's we're lucky to get a conversion on third down and only have to punt you know, on your sixth play instead of your third play or fourth play? Mm-hmm. So it's just... It's it's tough because this team could do so many good things with the personnel they have and with the player they have at quarterback, especially if Derrick Henry runs well. But with Rubisky calling plays and Mike Malarkey apparently not feeling any pressure in the first half of last week to do anything different, I worry that we're going to see the same thing over again. But the game plan is clear. They're bad at stopping the run. Make them stop your 250-pound running back. And then if they can do that, then adjust from there. Don't try to get too fancy. Don't open up the, you know, don't open up in a tight formation and then try to run one of those two-man route thing. It just play smart football. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I've got the keys to the game. Um, I've got three of them. Last week's ended up being mostly true, aside from the fact that we said a key was to break even in the turnover ratio, and the Titans were negative two and still won. So yeah, uh, key number one, hold Brandon Cooks to under 13 yards per catch. Uh, if, if you can keep Cooks under 13 yards a catch, that's great. My only concern is is if he has 12 catches for 120 yards and LeBeau's insistent on playing with ten man, you know, man coverage of 10 yards <laughs> off the ball, afraid of him beating you deep, and all of a sudden Brady just hits him for check downs and slants and kind of kills you with a thousand paper cuts kind of way and just you know gashes you like that instead of going for the one home run balls so i i don't know i think we need to play tighter coverage on him but if we can keep him from you know those one big back breaking plays then then i'm okay with that yeah maybe i'm underestimating brandon cooks but he hasn't caught more than six passes in a single game this season so I don't know. I'm more focused on, on the other on the other options that could hurt us. You know, he with Tom Brady had a similar season to T.Y. Hilton did with uh, Jacoby Brissett, mm-hmm. just saying. Yeah, but weird. And Chris yeah. Hogan was injured for like half the season. And there's no Julian Edelman. Yeah. And so, Gronk, I don't know. Way extra coverage, so there's no excuse. Key, yeah. key number two, instead of whatever we said last week, I'm just going to say the defense needs to get a takeaway. Strip a football, bat a short throw in the air, and pick it off on its way back down, or, or Bayard bait Brady into a throw. Brady is not a perfect quarterback. I've seen him throw boneheaded interceptions plenty of times before. And in this game, the Titans defense is going to need to come away, not just with a bunch of three and outs and punt. They need, they need to change momentum with a takeaway. 
Yeah, and I know it seems like Tom Brady never throws interceptions, uh, but that's not true, and it hasn't been true um, over the latter half of the season. Uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with the cold months uh, coming in, but over the last six weeks uh, of the season, uh, he threw six of his eight interceptions. Uh, two of them were, were in that loss to the Dolphins. He threw one against the Dolphins, one against the Bills, uh, one against the Steelers, and then one against the Bills again. Um, didn't throw one in that in the Jets game, but he only com- completed 48% of his passes. So Tom Brady is not uh, at the top of his game right now. Um, and I don't know what is factoring into that, but he doesn't look like the same quarterback that we see so often just, just picking apart defenses. Um, so I definitely think there's a good chance that, that the Titans can get a takeaway in this game, especially through the air uh, off Tom Brady. Yeah, and if you're drawing up like a dream way you want that to happen is what you want to happen is you want uh, Kevin Byard to be in great coverage on Gronkowski and really frustrate him like we were talking about earlier and then get in a little bit early and tip a ball away and somebody like you know Williamson or Woodyard or Adoree Jackson picks the ball out of the air and gets a couple of yards. You know, you don't necessarily need to pick six off that, but you want him to get so frustrated uh, talking about Gronkowski, and then you want Brady to not necessarily trust his eyes and think that Gronkowski can just beat everybody, and then you kind of kill two birds with one stone there. So, you know, if Brady's getting real comfortable throwing at Gronk and the Titans can tip one up and make a play, that would be outstanding. Mm-hmm. So um, la- this is how bad the Titans receivers have been this year. Last week we were sitting here saying, you know, man, I thought Corey Davis had a good game today and he caught three passes for 35 yards. That's about how it's gone this season with the Titans receivers. And so key number three to today, to, to today, to Saturday's game, and possibly the most important is for a Titans wide receiver, not Delaney Walker, a Titans wide receiver to catch for over 70 receiving yards. Wow, that is a, a lot. It's, I know it's asking a lot. <laughs> Honestly, I thought if you were going to say 100, 100 yards, I was like, there's no way. Like, yeah, I was like, there's no way it's going to happen. And, you know, even we're saying like 70 yards is asking a lot with these receivers, which is just so bizarre. God, it's bad. I mean, in the Chiefs game, our leading receivers were Delaney Walker and Derrick Henry, who's not even known for his pass-catching ability. I mean, so you can understand Delaney Walker. Needs... He's your two-time Pro Bowl tight yeah, end. Yeah, fine. But... Perfectly fine, but when he, when he's leading the team by, like, 40 yards over the next closest receiver, um, that's not ideal. And I don't know. Someone someone on the receiving core needs to, needs to make a play. It's getting absolutely ridiculous at this point. Um, and it, I think if anyone's going to do it, I think it's going to be Rashard Matthews. Uh, I think he could have a pretty big pretty big game in this one um he, he's a veteran there's, guy. An, AFC, he knows there, to get there's open. an there's an afc east connection there too Matthew yeah spent yeah four he's years with the, the dolphins patriots before mm-hmm. yep uh and I, I don't know the numbers but i'm sure he's had some success against them um and i just i don't have any level of trust in Corey davis in decker who still can't catch passes except for that one touchdown thank god for that um and Taiwan's just non-existent in the offense. He doesn't get enough. Doesn't get enough snaps. So, uh, if anyone's gonna do it, it's Rashard Matthews. And I think he could have a pretty good game. Seventy yards? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I think he'll have like around sixty. Hopefully, catch a touchdown pass. Rashard makes the most sense. But if I'm, I mean, if I'm thinking through Belichick's eyes, I think he's gonna put his best corner on Rashard Matthews because that's who he thinks our best receiver is. I, I, I don't know, like. 
nothing would make me happier than Corey Davis getting a hundred yard game and somehow winning the game for the Titans. And nothing would be more vindicating for me. Oh, absolutely. What, what's going to happen is, is Eric Decker is going to have eight receptions for 83 yards and we're, none of us are going to know how it happens. Cause he's going to have two really <laughs> stupid drops, but it's going to turn out that that's where it's open. And those, there's going to be some weird RPOs that we throw. And I mean, it's just all going to work out to where he's going to have a massive game. Cause every time we're on the brink of, you know, we should cut him or he shouldn't be back next year. He does something really good, like catch the game winning touchdown against Kansas city or, you know, almost single-handedly win a game against the Colts with, you know, by moving the chains. He, He'll have a bunch of those little plays, and we'll look down, and other people will have made bigger plays, but he'll end up, you know, like I said, eight receptions for 82 yards, and we'll be like, how is he the leading receiver? Yeah, yeah. and Decker also has played the Patriots really often, right. and he's had, he's had success against them. Yep. So let's pick the games for this weekend. Uh, last week I was 0 for 2 in the AFC, but uh, 2 for 2 in the NFC. So let, let's start with the game that probably isn't going to be much of a question as to who the three of us are picking. Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. I think it's safe to say we will all be taking the Steelers handily. Yeah, uh, I think the Steelers easily win this one. Jacksonville showed nothing against the Bills. Uh, their defense is good, fine. But Antonio Brown's going to be pretty much fully healthy. Um, Le'Veon's going to be able to control the clock. And Bortles looks absolutely terrible. So I don't think... I don't think they're going to be able to even uh, keep this game close. Yeah. For some reason, everybody's been talking about Mariota having a bad season, and they're so ready to jump on him when the last six or seven weeks of Blake Bortles have been absolute garbage. And, you know, so is some. Will, come on. People hate LeBron James, too. Okay. That's what he said. Right, right. (laughs) So, you know, all the great ones have haters. So. Uh, you know, I guess respect to you, Blake Bortles, but I mean, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL still. I mean, he was propped up by a mediocre run game and a really good defense, and now the run game's still mediocre and the defense is okay. But when you play good teams, that shows up, and I just don't think Big Ben has a repeat of what happened to him last time. Yeah, no way. All right, moving on to the NFC Atlanta at Philadelphia. This is the first game. I'm going to take the Falcons in this game because I trust pretty much the exact same roster that lost the Super Bowl last year over a Nick Foles-led Philadelphia Eagles that haven't played in two weeks. Yeah, and you, Luke, have been pretty adamant about the Falcons being love legit Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't give them enough credit, especially last week. I thought the Rams were going to beat them. Um, but I think the Falcons are going to win again because I don't trust Nick Foles at all in a playoff game. Uh, I don't know how you can. I mean, the, the Eagles roster is fantastic. They have a really good head coach. But when you have Nick Foles out there, you're just asking so much of him, um, especially against a Falcons defense has been, that has been really, really good uh, for the duration of the season, and they're really turning it on at the right moment. So I think the Falcons win. Uh, I'm going Eagles. Uh, I'm a big Jim sports believer. Uh, I, I mean – I don't know how you can look at that defense and not think that Matt Ryan's just going to explode. Uh, I mean, they're playing. I mean, did y'all not see how Aaron Donald and he's Aaron Donald granted, but absolutely worked that whole offensive line for the whole game. I mean, they looked mm-hmm. God awful. And you know, 
Wade Phillips has done a good job. He doesn't have the horses that Jim Schwartz does. I, I mean, you've got guys like Barnett and Cox and Long. I mean, you've got all these guys on that defensive line and Curry and Graham, all those guys that are just going to be rotating over and over and over. And, I, I mean, I just – I mean – just from a defensive standpoint, I don't know how the Falcons put up more than 13 points. So, you know, and that's just because they have Julio. I, I'm going ahead and spotting them seven because I think Julio will just get him a touchdown because he's Julio if they decide to throw it his way. But, you know, I think, you know, you've got Jay Ajayi, you've got a, a, a decent, you know, offensive line. I don't think the interior of their offensive line is as good as, you know, the the – tackle position you've got good tight ends you've got i i just think you've got enough to where if you slug it out and you've had a week of rest and a team that's just coming off playing last week you might be able to sneak one out at home mm-hmm. i think julio's gonna go nuts in this one i don't think matt ryan's gonna have a chance to throw it yeah they that's do have possible. a lot of pass rushers. you might be right yeah and, and yeah but atlanta line and they're is good good mm-hmm all right. Former uh, Thailand legend Andy Levitre on there. Yeah, it's on injured the reserve, actually. Yeah, but, but in my heart, still the <laughs> So we don't get to see two Titans bust offensive linemen, one through the draft, one through free agency, go after each other. Um, the other mm. NFC game, Saints at Vikings. You know, I love the Vikings. I love their defense. <laughs> and I've always been a big Case Keenum fan. But I might be the biggest Drew Brees fan that isn't a New Orleans Saints fan. And it's hard to bet against, you know, Ingram and Kamara and Michael Thomas with Drew Brees. And then on that defense, having Marshawn Lattimore and Cameron Jordan. So I'm taking the Saints, even though they're on the road in a hostile environment against a good defense. Yeah, I I really wanted this game to be the, the NFC championship game. Uh, because I, th- I think these are the two best teams in the NFC. Yeah. Um, and I I honestly have no idea who's going to win. But uh, I'm going to go with the Vikings just because they, they have the home field advantage. Um, and their defense is just fantastic. Uh, if they can run the ball with Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon as well as they have been uh, recently and over the second half of the season, uh, I definitely think they can win this game. Um, Thielen destroyed the Saints in week one when they played uh, in Minnesota. So uh, I'm expecting a big game from him, too. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, whoever wins this game, um, they could possibly uh, play in a dome for the duration of the playoffs. The Saints played in the Superdome. Uh, They play in a dome this week. And if the Eagles lose to the Falcons, uh, the Saints would be playing in their home again and then play in Minnesota again in the Super Bowl. So that would be an interesting game. Definitely an interesting road. Yeah, I'm I'm super pro Minnesota. Uh, I, I like what they do on offense. It's you know, it, it, you know, you can knock Case Keenum. It's fun to watch him play. I, I mean, I, I've been a fan of his all throughout this year because I, I mean, I just feel so bad for the guy to end up with Jeff Fisher last year. What when what you know that could have been the end of his career, his last chance, and he got Jeff Fisher as his coach. Like, yeah. I mean, there, there's very few worse situations to have. I mean, Rudolph is healthy now. And they've got, you know, Thielen and Diggs like we talked about. I, I guess I'm just a sucker for really good defenses because, like— You are. I, you absolutely are. 
I mean, I think the corners can just do a really good job on these wide receivers. And then Harrison Smith is the only safety in the NFL who I think is comparable to what Kevin Byard's done this year. I mean, and I think he's a little bit better than Kevin Byard. And I think it's fair. He's, yeah. you know, at the peak of his career. Yeah. But, I mean, he it's, just does a little It's a, a good comparison, of- too, because Harrison Smith is someone that can play both safety positions with the same mm-hmm. quality of play. He can play up yeah. near the line of scrimmage, make tackles in the run game, but at the same time, his ability to bait quarterbacks into making bad throws and, and create turnovers is also a, an elite ability, as is kind of the same with Byard. Both guys mm-hmm. from the great state of Tennessee. Um, uh, is Harrison Smith really from here? Yeah. Yeah, he's from Tennessee. What, um, what city? Oh, we need to bring him home. Yes. Yeah, I know. Whenever he's a free agent. Imagine just like every other play, we're going to be like, okay, Harrison, you're going to play strong this play, and Kevin, you're going to play free. Yeah. And then the next play, it alternates again. Right. He, he's from oh, yeah. uh, Knoxville. That's where he went to high school. Yeah. yeah. He played at Knoxville Catholic. Um, mm. So sorry about that tangent. Um, but yeah, it, that, you know, you got Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter. I always want to say, pronounce his name differently but uh i mean you got hunter it's just a really good defensive line uh, you know i it's just I, I love kamara and i love what he and ingram do and that offense is really good but they just put andres pete on injured reserve so mm-hmm. they're gonna have a hole on the offensive line which is more about you know consistency and continuity than any other position in football and you're going against the best defense who's finally rested up with an offense that can compete it's just it's just going to be a tough matchup, and I you know I love Drew Brees, and I think he's you know on pace to be the most productive quarterback of all time. It's just I don't think he's going to come out ahead in this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finally, Tennessee at New England. I'm going Tennessee. I, I, you know, I, after looking at this Patriots team, I, I picked Kansas City last week because of just how talented they are. Looking at this Patriots team, I love McDaniel's and I love Patricia, and of course I love Belichick, and Tom Brady's the best of all time. But this is just not that good a football team in terms of talent. And I honestly think the Titans match up well with them. And if they get their heads out of their butt and don't run ridiculous <laughs> trick plays on offense that don't trick anyone, <laughs> then then I think the Titans have a legitimate shot to win this game. And, I, and I'm going to bet on them winning. Yeah, so I've been pretty good at predicting uh, Titans games. Uh, I nailed the Arizona game. That was an easy loss. I saw that one coming from a mile away. Uh, thought the thought we were going to beat the Jaguars week 17. We did. Uh, picked the Titans to win last week. I thought Derrick Henry was going to have a big game. I didn't expect 156 yards on the ground, but that's fine. Uh, worked out. Um, and I don't think the Titans are going to win this game as much as it pains me to say. Um, I just they the Patriots have so much experience in these big games uh they have the best coach of all time they have two really good coordinators who can draw great game plans and they have tom brady at quarterback uh i don't think there's going to be a blowout by any means um but i do think the times are going to fall and their miraculous run is going to come to an end uh i think they lose like maybe 27 21 27 20 something like that uh those are all really good points. Uh, I'm going to go with the fighting Terry Robiskis. Um, <laughs> I, I the fighting Terry Robiskis. In this, again, this is all just wishful thinking, this part. I think that Malarkey, now that he's finally knows his job is safe and he saw what happened last week, is going to give Mariota more control and say, 
you know, if you see something you like, forget looking at the sideline, run up. And, and if that's the difference in scoring an extra field goal in the first half, I think that can make all the difference in the world because this team, for all their faults, adjusts really well at halftime. So, uh, you know, if they can make it to halftime, with if it's within a touchdown or if they're ahead, then, I mean, I've got a lot of faith in what this team can do. Plus, the formula is so simple if they have the intelligence to run it that way. It's run the ball, you know, spread out the defense and make them prevent them from stacking the box the way they want to, then figure out how they're aligning their safeties. And if your wide receivers can't get open, you're going to have to run a lot of read option. And if the safeties are having to play high, then you can run, just run Derrick Henry. And enough of running Derrick Henry, if it's working, will kill any defense because it's just so hard to do, so hard to stop him. And I, I don't know the weather reports right now, but for the whole week I've looked and it's supposed to be wet and cold. And that's great for the Titans. The Titans have been cold for the last two weeks. And, mm-hmm. You know, it seems to be getting warmer every time they play. So if they can play in some snow or something that would, you know, slow down the passing game, that would be a miracle for the Titans because then they've got Mariota's legs versus uh, Brady's legs. And then you've got this running back group versus their running back group. And all that points towards the Titans. So, if they can get some act of God to keep, you know, the the uh, Patriots pass offense slowed down, I think they could win convincingly. And uh, if that doesn't happen, I still think there's a good chance that they can squeak one out. Uh, excuse right. me, you heard it here first. Titans could win convincingly on Sunday. Um, yep. I'm going to say the exact same thing I said as we closed out last week. We will either be back on Sunday or Monday to recap a Titans win and look ahead to the AFC Championship, as crazy as that sounds, or we will be back uh, mid-next week to kind of recap the Titans season and talk about what that means for their future and what's ahead in the offseason. I hope we are able to do the former. I cannot believe that the Titans are a winnable game away from the AFC championship. It just sounds so, so bizarre after the two and three Mm -hmm. win seasons. Um, Mm -hmm. Until then, uh, for Matias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Horsham. Tighten up, uh, watch the game, enjoy the game, go Titans, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.